Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world, though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Hey everyone, Saul Marquez is back and welcome to the Outcomes Rocket. Today, I have the privilege of hosting the outstanding Peter Vrains. He is a chemical engineer and serial entrepreneur. Peter is the co-founder of Neutromics, an Australian medtech company revolutionizing healthcare through continuous real-time molecular monitoring. The company's innovative smart patch biosensor platform will solve some of the biggest healthcare challenges we face today in the fields of chronic disease prevention, chronic disease management, acute diseases, and therapeutic drug monitoring. Prior to Neutromics, Peter founded BioCore Technologies and led the team with the development and commercialization of several natural cosmeceutical skincare brands that were distributed in 1,500 retailers throughout Australia. The company was successfully sold in 2013, and today we're going to hone in on the work that Peter and his team are doing at Neutromics, and I'm really, really privileged to have him here on the podcast. Peter, thanks for joining us. Great to be here, Saul. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. You're uh, uh, jumping on all the way from Australia, and uh, it's early over there right now, huh? Yeah, it's uh, just a bit over, a bit past 7 a.m., Nice. And I'm not exactly a morning person, so but I'm gonna I'm trying my best here. I'm, I'm on my second coffee. I'm firing up the engine. It's going slow, but let's see how we go. <laughs> Love it, man. Well, hey, we're privileged that you are starting your day off with us, Outcomes Rocket Nation. So uh, we are thrilled to have a conversation with you to learn more about what you're up to. And uh, so before we dive into Neutromics and the work you're doing there. Peter, tell us about you. Tell us why healthcare is driving your engine. Why, why do you do what you do? It's a really good question, Sol. Probably two reasons. Number one is that we're, we're, we're working on problems that cost lives today. So because certain technologies aren't available, people die and a lot of people die. So what we do is we're, we're developing a patch that can, it's a platform technology and it can measure molecular targets continuously and in real time. And people are probably familiar with continuous glucose monitors for type 1 diabetics. Mm -hmm. So if you imagine that in being able to essentially measure any molecular target, you can start to imagine some of the problems that we can solve. So examples being therapeutic drug monitoring. So right now that's done, you know, I think anyone involved in that industry would sort of acknowledge it's a little archaic. Uh, it's a really challenging thing for clinicians to be able to dose certain drugs where every, where basically everyone metabolizes that drug differently and they've got to get them in a very narrow therapeutic window they overdose them, they can do damage with things like acute kidney injuries can occur. You know, sepsis is another one. So, you know, 270,000 Americans die every year from sepsis. That's one in three deaths in hospital. 
It's really hard to diagnose sepsis. It's like a lot of other conditions. Being able to measure you know, molecular targets to indicate that it is sepsis early is really important. You know, With sepsis, a delay of one hour in treatment increases the risk of death by 8%. So this is fast moving. So, you know, we're dealing with problems like that. Like that, that's, that viscerally drives us as a company because we've got a technology that can do it. We've, we almost feel a moral imperative to get this into the market as quickly as possible. And I suppose the second part, you know, what, what drives me and, and us is the team because we've been able to attract people that like-minded that from a cultural point of view, we all really are behind that mission our mission as a company, and that's to, you know, a world of zero preventable deaths due to a lack of timely molecular patient data. That, that's our mission. That's what drives us. And that's what gets us up, you know, early every morning and work late and, and do the things we need to do and put massive energy into what we do is basically we're doing this to save people's lives. And, and you know, we can't think of a better use of our time than that. Well, I think it's awesome. And and you talk about preventable deaths, Peter, there's so many, you know, and there's been a lot of analogies, you know, uh, jumbo jet crashing every single day, yet it doesn't receive the attention that it needs. There's opportunities to do better. And so this patient data is key, right? And we're getting into this stage in our industry where remote patient monitoring is a thing. Uh, there's different pathways to get it done. But you, what you're talking about here is getting down to the to the smallest level and, and actually monitoring that even for somebody with sepsis, which is like critical, right? So, so talk to us a little bit about what you guys do and how exactly you're adding value to the ecosystem. Is this thing available yet or you're in the process of launching it? Um, we're, we're developing the technology. So we've okay. come a, a long way. We've licensed in um, technology from a couple of U- American universities. Mm-hmm. So our technology, it's a combination of, in fact, two technologies coming together. So one's a micro needle array. And what that does, it's tiny little needles, less than one millimeter. And it gives us access to a fluid under your skin called interstitial fluid. So it's the same fluid used for continuous glucose monitors. And, and the analytes of interest in ISF um, correlate really well with blood. So if you're going to measure something continuously, that's a really good fluid. It's hard to measure, you know, have a patch that's going to measure blood continuously and have it you know, in outpatient settings where people can apply it. ISF, you can absolutely do that. And CGMs have proven that. And then on the end of that, we put a sensor. This is really the jewel in the crown for us. It's, it's called an Aptima sensor. And it's, it's just a little coating that is basically is the platform in our technology. It's what makes it generalizable to any target. And so this is in a like a, a little a little patch, you know, similar to well in Australia we'd call it fifty cent piece, but whatever the equivalent is in the U.S. But a little coin sized patch that you apply. Um, you don't need a doctor to apply it. You can apply it yourself. And we've been able to demonstrate that with that that, that technology works with twelve different sensors. And so the beauty of what we can do is that we can do drugs, we can do metabolites, we can do proteins, we can do hormones. We can do a broad class of technologies with basically what we have. Um, whereas, you know, continuous glucose monitors are limited to metabolites. So they're, they're things that are already in your body, like glucose and lactate. We're not limited to those. We can do a whole range of different targets. And what that gives us is a blue ocean opportunity to go in to solve problems in areas that other technologies just can't solve. 
So you're not going to have, so glucose, CGMs, they're, they're what's called enzymatic sensing, and they're never going to be able to measure uh, drugs, for example. So vancomycin, that, that's our first market. To, that's a very commonly prescribed drug. It's, it's indicated for therapeutic drug monitoring. Really, the only way to do that is with our tech. You, you just simply, the other technologies that are on the market just don't have the capabilities to measure a drug like we can. So it's in development. We've demonstrated it numerous times on an animal model. We're now, we've got um, human data with our glucose sensor, and now we're just integrating the Aptima and our microneedle for first in human um, in a few months' time. So that's kind of, that's going to be a really exciting time for us to be able to show that. It's the ultimate proof point. You know, we've come a long way, but that's, that's the ultimate test. And that's where we're sort of all, all eyes for us is right on that now. And we'll, we should have that data by about the middle of this year. That's fascinating. So ISF, really just a, a unique way to pick up on some of these biomarkers to mm. these indicative biomarkers, I guess, that, that can help us understand directionally where a disease is heading, get ahead of it before it becomes a huge issue. But it sounds like the challenge that you guys are, are bridging is, is how to get the ISF, right? Because I guess, why hasn't it been used before if it's so effective? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, the holy grail in biosensing for decades has been a platform technology that can measure any molecular target. This is not a new concept. This has been around for a long time. And the industry is full of engineers and chemists. Like me, I'm a chemical engineer. And we get trained in a certain way of thinking. No one's been able to crack this holy grail, so to speak. Um, because you can imagine if you can measure any molecular target continuously and in real time, we've all seen what CGMs can do for the treatment of diabetes. Mm -hmm. Imagine that technology in a whole range of verticals. You know, that's a big deal. Like that's a game changer for patient outcomes. So no one's been able to crack this. And, and the inventor of the technology, it's an interesting story. Um, he's Professor Kevin Plaxico from UCSB, one of the world's leading biosensor researchers. And he's a biological physicist, right? So he looks at, through the lens of a biologist, not a chemist or an engineer. And biologists, he gets trained a very different way. And so he asked this fundamentally different question that no one had asked. And that was, in our bodies right now, we are doing continuous monitoring of molecules all the time. This is a solved problem. The body has already solved this problem. And so what the way it does it is through confirmational change to the change in a structure of a protein. That's how our body does it now. And that was his light bulb moment to say, well, if that's how the body does it, this is a solved problem. Why don't we learn from that and try and do something similar? Hmm. And, and so there's a, there's a whole industry around this called biomimetics, learning from nature. Yeah, and so yeah. instead of using proteins, what he did was he used aptamers because they're easier to develop their synthetic DNA, but it does effectively exactly the same thing as what proteins do in our body. So our sensors, our optimus sensors, change shape in the presence of a target and only the target. And that basically was the, the, was the breakthrough that allowed him to develop this platform technology that can measure anything. But that was only the first step because there's lots of technologies that on a lab bench, they all work perfectly. Everyone claims that their technology works because it's right. so controlled. And then you put it on the body and the body is noisy and there's biofouling and there's all these issues going on. 
and the vast majority fail, right? They, that's where they break down. Mm-hmm. So he had a, a challenge to say, if I can do this 12 times with different targets, then, I, then that is a proof point that this is generalizable, that this is a platform technology. And it was only actually a few weeks ago that him and his team did the 12th sensor. Oh, yeah. Proven on body, on body, in blood, in a complex matrix. And, and so it's just kind of interesting story how nature solved this problem, yet we were looking in a whole different direction and never asked the, the simple question. It almost seems obvious now. How does the body do it now? But that was, that was the question that changed the whole trajectory of, of largely this industry. And, and now Kevin is literally landed in Australia yesterday. Oh, get um, out of here. And, and yeah, he's working with us now and, and, and a couple of members of his team are coming over. And we're really excited you know, to have him on board with our team. And, and we're really you know, progressing with the technology much, much faster when the whole team's together. It was a bit of a challenge with COVID getting him here, obviously. I, I but can imagine, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, literally yesterday he touched down in Sydney. So um, wow. in quarantine for a couple of weeks, but uh, yeah, on Australian soil at the moment. Wow. Well, super interesting. And, uh, and you know, just thinking through, man, this is, seems like the future, you know, and you make the example of the, of the continuous glucose monitor because it's something that we all know. And obviously it makes treatment and medication of, you know, diabetes that much more effective. What if we could do it with so many other things? And so uh, yep. the promise is huge. So, so, you know, talk to us about your vision and maybe some of the core applications of this technology that you envision, Peter, could be, you know, what kicks you guys off? Yes. You know, we, we sort of say um, one of the great things about our tech is it's a platform and you can do anything. One of the drawbacks of our tech, it's a platform and you can do anything, <laughs> right? So it's a pro and a con. It's a con yeah. because, boy, you could spend your life thinking up applications and never actually doing anything, right? So we love to think up these applications and we work with lots of clinicians all around the world, but we kind of laser focused on our first one and that is um, therapeutic drug monitoring. So it's done really, really poorly at the moment. I think everyone would agree about that. You know, if you went into hospital, touch wood, but if you did and you got dosed with a drug that required therapeutic drug monitoring, what they do is they take blood draws and they and it gets processed, and they're trying to look at the constant your what your next concentration should be because they're trying to get you into this window, this narrow therapeutic window. Mm-hmm. And they're always looking in the rearview mirror because they take a blood draw, but they don't get the result for twelve hours or twenty four hours. And so that was where you were at twelve or twenty four hours ago. And they've got to take it within this window of time. And if they don't, then it's wrong data. And eighty percent of the time, they can't they don't take it within within the two hour window. So they get limited data. The data they typically get is wrong. And the upshot of all that is less than half of the doses of these drugs are in the therapeutic zone. And Mm. some of them are actually in the toxic zone. And we've all heard about drugs that kill people, right? And this is one of those examples where you go in with one problem, you come out with another problem. And it can happen because, and that's the, the big fear for clinicians. And so they often try and reasonably that they, they they're conservative for that they don't want to give you a acute kidney injury so they they lowball you for starters so it takes a long time for them to get into this therapeutic so it's all these problems so so that's our first market is therapeutic drug monitoring but then we want to move into AKI measurement of acute kidney injury with because we can measure creatinine 
And then we've got um, chronic kidney disease. I mean, we, we talk a lot about diabetes and we should because it's a big problem. There's 420 million people with that condition. There's 800 million people with chronic kidney disease. So basically almost double. It's a huge, huge problem. It's a silent killer. So and nephrologists, the experts in this space, they call it a data-free zone largely. So the way that they treat patients is often a one-size-fits-all. So we, we can change that paradigm. And, and, the, and the nephrologists we talk to are super excited about that. So there are kind of initial markers, but the big sort of picture vision here, I suppose, Sol, is, is you know, the promise of precision medicine. We've been, we've, you know, these are terms that we, we've heard about for a long time, but what does it actually mean? And I think we've got a glimpse into the future with a closed loop system with the artificial pancreas. Yeah. So the ability to monitor glucose has enabled the artificial pancreas to become a reality. So, the, so just for, for people that don't know what that is, it's basically a closed loop where you monitor glucose, a machine monitors glucose and doses insulin. And so you don't require a patient to make those calculations. So there are closed loop systems we could have all throughout the healthcare system. Drug monitoring is a classic example. There's a whole range of them. But for all of them, the first thing you need to do is monitor biomarkers, molecular biomarkers continuously in real time. You have to be able to do that. And so we, we do that first bit. And so our vision of the future are all of these closed loop systems in many, many different areas of healthcare that are now enabled because we can measure something continuously in real time, just like the artificial pancreas required continuous monitoring of glucose. So that's kind of the, the big picture where, where we think this is going to go. And that's an exciting future because you get better patient outcomes when you can do that. Yeah, that's super interesting. You know, Peter, I, I admire the work that you have taken on here because, you know, it's one of those projects that is not easy and it's a long haul project that mm. also has a lot, of, a lot of promise. So what is it that inspires you to do this? You know, because you could choose something that's not going to have as long of a, you know, runway, you know, you could get to market quicker, you could you could make some moves quickly, but why did you decide to do this? That's a good question. You know, I spent most of my career, I'm a chemical engineer, but spent most of my career in skincare. And you know, you look back on your career and things evolve when they happen and if I think back, you know, I love what I did with the skincare brands. But if I'm on my deathbed and I look back, I don't know that I would be satisfied with that. You know, like mm -hmm. that's, that, was an, that was interesting. We had a great team. We did some really interesting things. But when I sold the last company, I actually started a new skincare brand because that's what I knew. And in the middle of that, you have these watershed moments, you know, in your life where you say, well, I can keep going down this path and I know it and I, and, and I think I can do it well. But, and the way I kind of look at these things is, you know, and it maybe it's a little cliche, right? But when I'm on my deathbed, is that the decision I would have been happy with or not? And there's a book um, I highly recommend. It's called The Five Regrets of the Dying. Mm. And it was a, a, a nurse that, um, a palliative care nurse that, that nursed hundreds of people that were imminently dying. And they had a series of regrets that they had. It was quite common. And, and it was just one of those books that just made you really reflect on your life. And, I, and, it was at, and so I, I, I kind of reflected on what I would want. And so it was at that moment that I thought, I, th I want more. I, I think we can do more. I think I'm going to yeah. have a greater impact in this world. 
and challenge myself. You know, I did that for 10 years, uh, a bit more, and it was a great experience. But what we do now, this is what I really viscerally am passionate about this. This is one of those problems that you, when you see it, you can't walk, walk by these problems. They're yeah, people, yeah. husbands, wives, my kids, this affects everyone. Like at some point in time, we will be impacted by this, right? And one of the things that really, and, and this goes for my co-founder as well, it really drove him, Hitesh. You know, we originally were looking at prevention of diabetes because it's such a big problem and, yeah, and there's no, very little focus on it, right? And we would speak to endocrinologists and we would say, so when someone has prediabetes, what, what do you do? And basically what they do for the most part, and it's not their fault, it's just they don't have the tools, is that they say, we wait for them to get the disease and then we treat it. That, that, that's, that's what we do. Hmm. And it's sort of like, and, and when, when we have those conversations, it's sort of like, I know that doesn't sound great, but that, that's the system, right? That's shocking. You know, we're in 2021. This is, this is it. This is, this is what we've got, you know, and, and people suffer. Everyone knows someone who's got diabetes. It's not a pretty thing. If we could have an impact, right, whether, whether it is prevention of lifestyle-related chronic diseases, because our technology can do that, whether it's helping clinicians drug, uh, dose drugs safely so people don't die and get AKI, like that to me, if I gave that and, and our team we gave that a real crack. We did our best and we had an impact in those areas. I think we could all look back and say, we did something worthwhile. That That's a good use of our time, you know? So that that's kind of a long-winded way, sorry, so of answering your question. No, but no, this is... It's, these are the, the real <laughs> reasons that things happen, right? Like it's not always a straight totally. line. It's, it's messy and it's and it's all those things, but but it's real and... And look, and I never look back and say I have a regret about moving away from it every day. Our whole team is the, we're, we all think alike when it comes to this. We want to get this in the market as soon as possible. You know, we got to make sure we're not get, burning ourselves out. This, that's probably the bigger issue, you know, because people are just working very, very hard to get this to the market. But yeah, so, so that that's kind of what drives us. Thanks for sharing that. I asked that question because it, it, it is not the easy road. And it's funny when you were kind of telling me your reason for it and the um, five regrets of the dying and yeah, you got to do those things uh, that are going to help you feel like you've done your part, you know, to make this place better. And actually I was watching um, the Lorax, Dr. Seuss, the Lorax, you know, that movie. Yeah, I was yeah. watching that with my son and, the, and at the beginning there's this quote. And for those of you that haven't seen it, it's basically this guy chops down a bunch of trees and basically there's no more trees left. There's a seed left, but, and it's, it's a wreck. It's a train wreck of a, of a city, of a life, of an earth. And the quote says, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. And you think about what Peter just said, you know, you go into an office with pre-diabetes and the best solution is for them to wait for you to get diabetes. It's almost said they, when they say it, they're almost embarrassed to say. It. I mean, how, yeah. how can you say that without kind of being, you know, having a little moment of going, "Oh boy, that I know that doesn't sound good, right?" Mm-hmm. But or it's you know, exercise more and and uh, eat less, you know, which that there's no there's no light bulb moments there for anyone, right? Totally. So it is what it is, you know, and, and and I think we just want to solve this. We have we think we have a chance here. We think we have a technology 
that's proven enough that we can actually move the needle here for lots and lots of people. You know, that's an opportunity that we are just like a dog with a bone going after. So, yeah, and it's funny where we, we, these moments, like you've talked about a kid's, a kid's show, right? <laughs> you know, well, I've got three kids as well. Yeah, and it's funny yeah. <laughs> where, you, where you pick up these things. It can be anywhere, right? But that's life. Here. There are certain times where you, when you least expect it, some little light bulb goes on and, and it changes your life. Yeah, man. No, this is great. And so obviously projects like these, challenges like these, they require a lot of people and obviously a lot of money. So I imagine you're probably raising some money and there's people that are interested, you know, there's people that are listening to this. We've got a lot of venture capital, you know, listeners, you know, what's your message to them and uh, what's the opportunity? What does that, what does that look like? Yeah. I suppose, you know, startups are always in capital raising mode, whether the round is open, closed, you're always sort of having the discussions and, and where. We're in the middle of a round actually at the moment. Okay. Uh, so we're closing a bridging round right now, which literally this week. So that's great. And we've got a, um, in parallel, a, a price round, what we call it, that we're in literally in the middle of. So, you know, I suppose a call out is if you're a VC that thinks that they can help us, that, that, that really resonates with what we're doing. And that's really important to us. We're really looking for, for investors that resonate with what we're doing. They believe in what we're doing. You know, reach out to us. We want to talk to you. Our investors are our partners. And you, you know, we it's cliche, but we're not we're not an island. We're never going to do this by ourselves. We want really good partners and we've got some really great partners that we work with. And we're very collaborative as a company. That's how we've kind of progressed quite quickly. So yeah, we're we're about to we're going to be opening up an office in the US uh, this year. So that's going to be one of the milestones. US is going to be our first market. We're doing our um, development work in Australia. And yeah, and not only just investors, but also um, with this tech, we don't want to constrain where we go within the four walls of our organization. So we have basically what we call an open innovation model, where we partner with universities and researchers to go and take this technology into areas that we're never going to take it ourselves because mm -hmm. we can't. We can't do... We, we, we're too constrained. So if you're sort of listening to this and, and you think, wow, if you could measure X, Y, and Z continuously in real time, you could solve this problem or that problem or whatever it is, my kind of challenge would be reach out to us and talk to us because you're going to get a receptive ear from us. We're really keen to talk to people like you because that idea may end up being a product that can save a lot of lives. And that's exactly what we're here as a company to do. So yeah, so reach out and there's a few different ways you can do that. But um, we're very, very keen to talk to you. That's awesome, Peter. And uh, folks, take Peter up on it, right? If there's an opportunity for you to do something with this uh, platform technology, an opportunity for you to, to explore, if you could be a part of it, whether it be through investment or partnership, I, I think that now's the time. So Peter, what are the ways that people could get in touch? Uh, LinkedIn, we use that. So if you look up my name, Peter Vrains, so it's V-R-A-N-E-S. There's not too many Peter Vrains. I think I'm the only one. Maybe maybe <laughs> someone will find another one. I don't know. But anyway, Peter Vrains, Neutromix, you should be able to find me. On our website, there's a contact us, neutromix.com.au. And uh, my email, so peter.vrains at neutromix.com.au. Awesome, Peter. This has really been a great chat. Truly inspired by the work that uh, you and your team are up to. And 
we're hopeful that that you guys will be the ones that make that vision come true. You know, closed loop systems for so many, so many things that ail us. Just I love the vision. So appreciate you jumping on to, to tell us more about it. Yeah, thanks, all. I really love the opportunity to talk to you and, and your listeners as well. It's been fun. Yeah, it's been a blast, man. Thank you. Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners. No podcast? No problem. Launch a professional podcast you'll love in four weeks. Most people hire production companies to edit and distribute content that sounds bad and does nothing for their revenue or their network. But you could turn the key to a made-to-order podcast and skip all the pitfalls that make 90% of shows discontinue after five episodes. We've got the expertise, the elbow grease, and you're back on this one. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.